Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. This is as bold of a draft pick as I can possibly imagine. Pete Thamel. If Trey Lance did not go three, there was a sincere concern that he would have gone a long, long way. And SI's Pat Forty. Pat's is <laughs> I, I hate them all. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right. First round in the books, gentlemen. What a crew we got here for the late night, midnight pod. I'm live in Cleveland where the poor people at Cleveland had so looked forward to this draft for only for it to pour rain and be cold. They've had a lot of draft night disappointments in Cleveland. What's one more? <laughs> Pat, Pat Forty is in Louisville. It's Derby week, deep into the bourbon, I think. What are you drinking? So we, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we tried some big swings at the track today and uh, failed with people who are friends of the podcast. And then we went to dinner, had some dinner, and then we went to a friend's like dugout basement. And uh, this story is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> How many drinks did you have? A lot. Okay, Thank a you. lot. Okay. And we did went you to watch dinner. the draft, Pat? No. Okay, this is gonna be good. Good pod. <laughs> I monitored the draft. What Pete, is the difference between watched. watching and monitoring? Somebody no. tell me. Somebody no. tell me. So, no. It, it was boring. Dan, Wetz, was no- Dan Wetzel went to the draft in Cleveland. I went to Sean Dealey's basement in Louisville, Kentucky. I think we had the same experience. So Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. Did you play yeah. left, right, center in Sean Dealey's basement? That's no, we didn't get that far. We didn't get that far down. But All right. Pete is at least uh, somewhat sober and watched the draft. Yeah, okay. so very sober. I filed a column like seven minutes ago. I just poured there my first go. drink. It was a boring draft. There was not boring. a single prospect that was blackmailed with a <laughs> picture of him smoking weed. No gas, gas mask. mask. Damn it. I mean, come on. If I'm going to see Mac Jones slide to 15, I want there to be a reason. Right. So we had nothing like that go down. Yeah, it, I do love the draft, though. I love I love NBA and NFL drafts when you're at them because the the, the guys are so happy. Just, yeah, it's, it's just the fair, the family, everything's just great. Everything's great. Reality strikes soon. Half these guys will be a bust. I bet You'll Mac Jones really likes Kings of Leon, so it's probably like a doubly good night for him, you know? Kings of yeah, Leon. It, it was a weird broadcast, a uh, little hokey. They had that chair thing. 
Very slow start. I don't know what was going on. The chair thing would have worked. What was the chair thing? It was like that was was like Roger Goodell's idea. Nobody could talk him off it. Can you see people like (laughs) Roger's doing the chair thing? Yeah, the chair is terrible. The chair was was a bad idea. And nobody. How many farts did he rip in that thing last year? Too. I don't want to sit in that. What? It's gross. Oh man. Did not enjoy the chair thing. It's this draft <laughs> lacked, you know, like there was no none of the, you know, absurdity of the last year's draft where, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's in the desert island or whatever. And I mean, like what, this draft was just kind of there. You didn't even watch. I watched. No, I did watch. I watched oh, some. I watched the last half. <laughs> that was the worst half. No question. It was. All right, anyway. But the only thing for Shaden Fraud, which is what people come to our podcast for, is the ability to laugh and mock at others, is that all week, the most like interesting, sort of provocative thing we saw was this Rams draft house. Malibu, the beach, you know, like mm. reporters taking pictures in the draft house and draft house. And then Les Sneed came out and said he had to watch the draft from home because he got COVID. <laughs> now, I don't want to make any many assertions or assumptions. Certainly feel bad for Les Sneed. No. Hope he gets yeah, better. Right. But I just found that like, the Rams had this like ostentatious way to like, you know, I assume like avoid being in like a condensed room together and it clearly failed. It does. I mean, that was a boondoggle. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice little move. Hey boss, uh, let's, let's <laughs> ask, let's see if Mr. Cronky will go for that one. We, we could really use a beat. We could use a one room. We could all work out of, uh, maybe it could be in Malibu. <laughs> you need, you need Yahoo to go for that. Yeah. Definitely. It's like the TikTokers and their uh, their yes. creative houses. Yes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went first. Shocking. Uh, he had a party at a house in Clemson. I did not see the toaster. I looked carefully. <laughs> toaster is clearly packed away. I don't think Marissa is uh, going to let anybody make toast in there, except for her and Trevor. Uh, that went one. Okay, that was pretty much expect Zach Wilson goes two and then we get to the drama Trey Lance goes three now I was on uh the the uh zoom press session with the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan uh they they decided it's actually a pretty good idea they said they were going to make the decision but they were going to tell nobody what they were thinking throughout so they told none of their scouts none of their assistant coaches not even owner Jed York until uh, like Wednesday, because I mean, you know, he is the boss, but they kept it totally quiet because they wanted scouts and everybody to think they could speak freely and say, I don't like Trey Lance or I, I really like Justin Fields or that's a stupid idea, right? So you, you kind of get rid of a group think and, you know, shining up to the boss and confirmation by. So that was pretty good. And they did. It was one of the great secrets in NFL draft history if such a thing could be can really be qualified. I mean, people were got it all wrong and they kind of were laughing that people put out there that they were going to take Mac Jones third right away. And they said, you know, were they lying? Were they telling the truth? I don't know. But they said, you know, we hear all this stuff and it's like, that isn't true. But if the NFL wants to believe that's what we're going with, we're not going to, you know, solve that. Now, did they said they were pretty, pretty convinced on Trey Lance. They zeroed in on him. Um, I gotta say, this is this is as bold of a pick. You gave up two first rounders and a third rounder, but the next two years you don't have a first round pick. 
So you could climb to number three and take a guy from one double A who played one season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And hadn't played in a year, really. Holy cow. You had the 12th pick. I mean, Fields goes 11th. Mac Jones goes 15. You didn't have to do anything. And you could, you know, you move up a, a spot or something to get 11. Holy cow. Uh, they better be all in on Trey Lance. And then, you know, they still got Garoppolo. He's going to stay. And uh, the, the pick to me, we'll see. I, I you have no idea if any of these guys are going to pan out. But this was a, a leap of faith <laughs> for this guy. Yeah. No, one of the one of the boldest picks I can remember. Now, if you go back, and I, I remember like, you know, when the Rams went up for golf and stuff, I mean, that was wild. That was bold. But this this is right there with it because as you said, this is a guy who has played nothing but FCS competition. He's had a couple of games against something l- larger, but that's it. And all of a sudden you're gonna move up, take the number three pick in the draft for him. With a quarterback that you already have who's, you know, Garoppolo may not be a Super Bowl winner, but he's very solid. Whew. This is, that's bold, risky, may work out fine, but man, you're putting it out there. And and in a draft where there's six quarterbacks, basically, for for the first round. And you're going to move up and take the the one FCS guy, the one guy that hasn't played against the highest level, and say, yeah, we're, we're going with him. We're riding with him. So I probably, other than the, uh, the the good people who covered Trey Lance for like the Fargo paper, I probably talked to Trey Lance as much as any reporter in the country. I did a big profile of him in the fall, broke the story of him, uh, you know, opting out to go to the NFL draft, just call him on him last week. Um, I don't know Trey Lance, but I've spent a decent amount of time talking to him. He's as impressive of a human in that spot. And again, probably covered college sports for almost 20 years, national college football for 20 years at this point. Like he is sophisticated, mature. All that character stuff is as plus, plus, plus. When you talk to his college coaches, when you talk to people who grew up with everything. That said, I have no idea if Trey Lance is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I talked to two different teams this week. One was like, would said they'd be shocked if Trey Lance was like picked before the others in the big five. And like somebody was like, yeah, you know, we'd think about him if he was there in the second round, maybe. Like there was there wasn't this like surging consensus. If Trey Lance did not go three, there was a sincere concern that he would have gone a long, long way before anybody picked him. So I mean, the boldness of the 49ers to go and do what they did to get Trey Lance is, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but boy, is it a high, high leverage risk. And I believe in Trey Lance as an athlete. I believe in his, what he has succeeded. And I believe he has the tools and mental makeup to make it in the NFL. But I can't sit here and tell you, I think the guy's going to be a star. I I mean, it is such a, it's a little bit of a Kyle Shanahan like genius moment. Because, boy, if he's right, they will have had this figured out. Like, you didn't have to be a genius to pick Deshaun Watson. You had to be an idiot not to pick Deshaun Watson. I mean, he had shown you everything you needed as a player. And certainly, obviously, what he's going through right now mitigates some of this argument. But, like, just as a pure player and what he's done his first four years in the NFL, like, that was very obvious to everyone at Clemson. There's very little obvious about what Trey Lance has accomplished that – says he should have been picked at this point in the draft. 
And, and, and it, you know, Shanahan said, Lynch said, you know, look, we don't have, we would have loved the 2020 season to watch. We had 400 plays. Uh, there was 160 or something great plays that he made. They kept watching. They really, all the, all the character stuff, the family. So the family's a great family. And he's a great, and he said, you know, he's, this guy's like a CEO. But he said, if I didn't like the tape, I'd say, yeah, he shouldn't play football. He should be a CEO. I, this is just, I, this is as bold of a draft pick as I can possibly imagine, and it's kind of amazing because Trey Lance's lack of competition was so unbelievable that it actually overshadowed Zach Wilson's yeah. lack of competition. Yeah, like right? Zach yeah, right? just cruised Which is through this thing. Yes, Zach. Yeah, especially this season yes. because, in fairness, BYU had to scrap together a, a, a schedule because no one was playing non-conference games. So. BYU usually plays a pretty good schedule, um, often you know very good. So, but this season they didn't. So you he his tape this year was against a lot, and and he wasn't great against Coastal Carolina, but he just skated through this thing, like he wasn't picked apart. Everyone else got picked apart. Mac Jones got picked apart. Fields got picked apart, and then Lance. I don't know. It's it, it's crazy to me the idea that you had you moved all the way to three to get him. Uh, I'm really not sure anyone was like you said, he was going to slide. You know, you look at the Patriots, they sat there at 15 and let Mac Jones come right to him. You know, mind it's, tricks. Yeah. it's just That's, like, yeah, that is cool. unbelievable. Like that to me is like, oh, my God, the Patriots got Mac Jones. You know, they got Mac Jones on and they got a year to let him sit. Yeah. Behind Cam, yeah, you know, totally. And, and, and Trey Lance is like, you know, they're like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is our quarterback and. You know, maybe there's a competition at some point. Like, maybe like he has to win that competition. And Garoppolo, hey, I'm your quarterback. If you liked me so much, what do you – you just trade away two, yeah. two first no. – not only did you give up this year's first rounder on a quarterback, so we didn't get another player, but the next two years were out. I, it's they just went unbelievable. Out, they went out of their way to publicly hate. Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, I'm sure they he kinda, feels good yeah, about his situation. This is like, like a, a modern Herschel Walker combat. trade, except it's not for Herschel Walker. It's for a complete unknown. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and, so. and Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. You know, like, okay, you've traded away everything around me because you don't like me. Okay, great. Yeah, I don't Do know. Do you want, we like, will... two minutes of nonsense Trey Lance, like, inside baseball football? Or is it too late for that and you guys are just mock me? It's 12.34 a.m. Give us 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay. You so cut it down from two minutes to 90 seconds. Position, in my opinion, is simple. Uh, it's because Carson Wentz and Easton Stick both came through the same system. There's a quarterback coach at North Dakota State by the name of Randy Hedberg. Randy Hedberg basically runs an NFL-style offense that includes huddling, and he under took about center. 60% of his snaps mm. under center, the coaching staff at North Dakota State told me in the fall. And most importantly and probably most boring, he had an unbelievable amount of autonomy at the line to make his own line protections. This is a very long way to say he played in a more sophisticated NFL-geared offense than Trevor Lawrence did. I wouldn't say the same thing about Justin Fields because I do think Ryan Day has some NFL concepts that he that he brought in but certainly where he is going in in terms of learning an NFL system he's ahead of the curve and the fact that Wentz now you can argue it Wentz transitioned fine to the NFL there wasn't a huge jump with Wentz and Easton Stick is like a perfectly capable backup and they like him they like him at the Chargers so I do think the built-in credibility of the prospects before Lance 
helped Lance and the scouts and everybody else who went through, and they'd been talking to the North Dakota State coaches, especially Randy Hedberg, about Lance, took some, you know, he had some built-in credibility. He wasn't just some guy, you know, sitting at Applebee's in Fargo, spinning him a tail. And that that was all meant, yeah, all mentioned tonight that, you know, it's pro-style offense. And the 400 snaps is considerable, and the 160, I, I remember this, and I'll get the number slightly wrong, but it was something when when Cam Newton came out, he had one year of college football. He had played JUCO. Uh, he had one year at Auburn. And they said the way that offense is run, and, and obviously NFL offenses have changed a little bit, but I remember a uh, general manager telling me as they're trying to look at Cam Newton, they go, we, we identified like 29 plays that, <laughs> that kind of relate to the NFL where it's an NFL-style play and the guy was covered. Like that was, we had like 29 passes to go with. Now he went number one and became the MVP. Uh, there was a little different. Cam Newton is, you know, an absolute ferocious athlete and competitor. Good pick. But, you know, that that is a thing. So you sit there and go, well, I got nothing to work with. I don't know. It's a it's a fat. This is going to be a fascinating situation. The Garoppolo. I mean, it's just the, the, the Niners. Uh, how many if, if he struggles early, like internal just a fascinating pick. That's where the draft hinged. But then after that, instead of like kind of chaos, just sort of settled in and guys like all these teams were kind of just being smart. Yeah. Atlanta, Kyle take Kyle Pitts. Cincinnati's oh, no, like, no, I'll yeah. take Jamar Chase. Miami's like, I'll take Jalen Waddle. The Lions like, I'll take uh, you know, an offensive lineman. Panthers, yep, cornerback. Like no one's reaching, no one's doing anything stupid. Yeah. It was like bang, bang, bang. You're like, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. So the, the first seven picks, I believe, were all offense, right? So that was, you know, I mean, like you said, it it, it all made sense. I mean, you picked who you should have picked, but it, it, it was an indication of maybe where the game's going or where the talent is in this particular draft. And like, I mean, there there was not the usual rush ins or cover guys. It, like you said, eight, I think, was the first defensive player. And that was a cover Horn guy. And and, certain. Yeah. Right. Right. And certain like, hey, the Broncos right on Patrick certain. Bring it. I, I don't know, and I'm not, not looking it up here at 12.38 a.m., whether the first seven picks have ever been all offense before. I saw that stat somewhere, and I, I don't remember it either. But, yeah, it's uh, it's there. Like The most interesting thing – well, not the most interesting thing. One of the interesting things we're talking about defensive players in this draft is that – had you ever heard, Pat, of Peyton Turner, the edge rusher from Houston before tonight? Nope. I hadn't either. I was calling around this week about some stuff, and I had a couple of people swear to me that Milton Williams, a defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech, was going <laughs> to – who I'd never heard of. How, does he exist? Like, I mean, if someone said Milton Williams, like 50-50 chance that's not a real name. He could go in the – so the point is there's basically like if you needed a big player for your defensive yeah. line, there were like none available. None. If you needed an impact – Edge rusher, there were a few available, but if you needed like a big, like think about Derek Brown last year, like that guy had all kinds of credibility, great tape, stayed an extra year. He was a monster. Rule took him and he did exactly what he was supposed to do in Carolina. He's a good player. Like there just weren't any large humans like that. Were there any defensive tackles taken here? I'm, I'm flipping through. I don't think so. A few right? defensive ends. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, but think about that. Like, like, all right, like, between the three of us, we all watch a lot of college football. Like yeah. Dan watches a lot. I watch maybe a little more and you watch the most, Pete, and you talk to the most people and you didn't know these guys and they still got yeah. picked. 
Yeah, so. I did not know Peyton Turner. Now Houston stunk this year, and their defense was particularly bad. So, particularly, um, I, I watched. I watched them play BYU, and again, guys slipped through the cracks. Like, there's obviously guys you, you never heard of. I'm sure Eric Edholm could tell us like Peyton Turner's like third grade teacher, and you know all all that kind of stuff. So we're we don't claim to be like draft you know gurus like Eric and uh, and others who live in that space and do a great job. But yeah, there's just uh, there's just not a lot of large defensive humans. Um, if you want like in, an in informed this, just, podcast, go somewhere else. Like, yeah, that's what we're saying. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for actual draft insight. We've heard of some of these guys. Yes. Well, I tell you who we did here. Um, six Alabama. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Six Alabama players. I think I saw, I can't remember if it was Sampson or one of the guys at Notre Dame reporters, like, you know, uh, you know, so so Jalen Waddle goes first and he and he tweets out. So Alabama's best offensive player wasn't even in that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like was injured in the middle of the season. Gone. I mean, Alabama, six first round picks. Notre Dame, zero. That was a little bit of a surprise. They played the big 12, the entire big 12, zero. Yeah. First time a major conference has not had a single first round draft pick since the Big East in 2006. God rest its soul. (laughs) God rest its soul. Give me a good Thursday night Rutgers versus Louisville game. Oh, somewhere John Marinato was pouring some holy water out. Yeah, yeah, you know, but yeah, just a just an overwhelming uh, show of force by Alabama. Penn State had three. Yeah. Not bad. Northwest. They were starting your 0 and 4, right? Oh, well, yeah. Parsons yeah. opted out then. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, that's right. It's an opt-out. Seven opt-outs got picked. Yeah. That's a point. Let's talk about that right there. You know, it's like, remember when when these guys were opting and people were like, oh, commitment, da 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 da. You know what? No. The NFL does not care whether you played that year. You get college. less wear on the tire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so here's a question. And you know, like Sam Howell is not going to opt out of next year, right, at North Carolina or wh- whoever. So we, I, I'm not in the mode to think of like the top five 2022 prospects off the top of my head. But do we start to – Thank s- God. Yes. Yeah, no, God, I, I put everybody to sleep um, on the podcast, listening to the podcast. A lot of people tell me they listen to this when they walk their dog. So like I definitely don't want to put people to sleep while they walk their dog. I just wonder if we start to see – you know, remember it was – it was uh, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette were the first bowl opt-outs, right? And it was like, oh, pearl clutch, pearl clutch. Now we have seven opt-outs picked in the first round. The next natural progression is the elite, elite, elite guy who is established after his second year skipping his third year. Like, sure. when do we see that? Do you think we see that? Well, I mean, uh, we almost kind of did, right? Greg Rousseau, right? You know, from Miami. Well, one of the Bosa's did, did it. The second Bosa, right? Oh, Pretty oh yeah. The, sec- the second Bosa played like a game and a half or two and a half games. Yeah. Right? And they Is were that- a national contender, and he didn't want to come back. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they made the playoff, I think, or whatever. And uh, it was Nick Bosa. I mean, the one thing about Nick Bosa is like you watch his tape and you look at meet the guy. You don't sit there and go, I'm not sure he's committed to the football, uh, you know. But, yeah, he bailed on. You know, I wonder because look, I, I look at Jamar Chase and I don't know. Did he did he opt out because of covid or did he opt out because he looked at LSU this season? And this is a train wreck. Burrow's gone. <laughs> Brady's gone. Coach O, 
like half the team was ready to mutiny Coach O during the season anyway. Uh, you know, we've all these different things out of LSU. There was the huge problem. They've admit, you know, Coach O's supporting Donald Trump and a lot of the players don't like that. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. And did, did was Jamar Chase like COVID or is it like, oh, I can say it's COVID and get away from these clowns because this year is going <laughs> to suck. Sure. No, it's a legit Probably question. Probably not. I mean, they just won the national title. I, I will say this, of players who could do this next year, I would think the two who have the most proven credibility would be Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU, who lived the clown show, the uh, the the fabled, immortal Bo Pelini defensive coordinator era. The other guy who was the number one recruit in the country and was kind of had that gilded history is Kayvon Thibodeau, the, the defensive end from Oregon. Now, I'm not saying these guys will, and I'm not saying they should. Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame, obviously, is is sort of in that no-brainer mode of, oh, yeah, he's the guy. There's no doubt he's the guy. So anyway, that that's like, like does does Stingley think about that? I, I'm not saying he will. I have no inside information. But we are eventually getting to that point where I think that happens at some juncture. I, uh, probably sure. will happen. It'll be disappointing yes. when it does. And if you're big, you're like, hey, why take that? Why take that whooping? Yeah. Why, why add to that? I mean, the NFL's got to be pretty happy. If you're Cincinnati, right? You don't care if Jamar Chase played last year. You're healthy. Right. That's the thing. It's, 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 and that's where Jamar Chase is now setting more of the, you know, precedent, perhaps, of I if if I am that good, I can sit out and nobody cares. Kyle just, Pitts, didn't he miss a game because of a concussion this year? At least one. At least one. At least. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like, you know, so they took him for it. That kid is an, an unbelievable player. Oh, but that had to have been their biggest concern. I would imagine it was their only concern. Because if you've watched Kyle Pitts play football, you go, Phenomenal. you're really good. You're really good at football. But what about the, let me ask this real quick. Like if you're Alabama and you just had six players picked in the first round, how big is the recruiting momentum from that without even, even trying? This is intrinsic now of just, we just, you know, we get, we just keep rolling them out. I, 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 first off, they get the number one class every year, pretty much. Right. Um, but I, I actually think it's more than that. It's that he, he keeps the kids from transferring. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. Like Najee That's, Harris, all right? Najee Harris could have gone pro or could have transferred or whatever, and he stayed, and he gets like, he's still first-round pick. Like, worked out. It worked for him. It worked for Alex Leatherwood. It worked for Jalen Waddle. It worked for Devontae Smith. That Jalen Waddle was, went out when he could, but Devontae Smith stayed the year. Najee Harris stayed the year. Alex Leatherwood stayed the extra year. You know, they just signed a class of 27 kids. 23 of them were four stars or up. They are recruiting. Guessing, they're selected. They're drafting. Yeah. 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 And, th- and I'm sure like one of their three stars is like a kicker. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> that, so, they've I mean, never recruited a kicker. That's a lie. Actually, that is true. They have <laughs> never. Well, they finally um, covered that the last year. They, they don't even no, have they a problem there. All, I'm looking at their list. But I think it's it's you come here and this is the plan. Yeah. And I Nick Saban can sit right down and say, you come to Alabama and I'll get you drafted. You you fall with a plan because there were six tonight. Mac Jones should have never gone there and should have transferred. But he stayed and he's, <laughs> he's the damn first round pick of the New England Patriots. Like how when those guys are thinking of leaving, you go, you know, look at Mac now. You know, look, look at these guys. It's it's what 
Harris, Najee Harris. I mean, that guy's such a great, but Mac Jones. And, and that's the thing. So you, you get whoever you want and then you get them to sit there and say, all right, it ain't going so great, but, but uh, yeah. I trust you. All right. I don't want to be old man. Get off my lawn. Nobody should transfer. The portal is the devil. Cause I don't believe any of that, but I will say this. I'm a big believer in development. And part of development is waiting your turn. And part of development is struggling and fighting to get on the field. And the last two national title winning quarterbacks, one developed for three years at Ohio State, struggled pretty much for a year at LSU, and then broke through. Mac Jones waited his turn. I mean, he got ragged all around in that Auburn game Pat and I were at. You remember that game? Did he throw a pick six in that game? Two pick sixes in that game? Two picks. It was a weird game. Two. The one at Two. Auburn? Yes, yes, yes. Two pick sixes, so, although you could also tell in that game that dude had something. But yes, your point is made. Yeah. Everyone wants this linear path that for the best doesn't really exist. Tom Brady didn't exactly have a linear path. Patrick Mahomes, we've talked about a million times in the podcast. Dan wrote a book about it. He like kind of played for a crappy college team and he certainly had is dynamic. He didn't stink, but there were moments where they stunk for sure. sure and did. so I just think all of that is like real life football and real life football is facing adversity, fighting through it and having the will to figure out a way to get there. And Joe Burrow clearly did that in college. Mac Jones clearly did that in college. The guy who gets beat out his redshirt freshman year and runs to the next thing may not get that sort of life. And then you're going to a new system. You have to, like everything's new. Like I just think these guys who stuck around did themselves justice. I'm not saying guys shouldn't transfer. Guys shouldn't find the best situation for them. But there is some value in fighting through adversity and then rising to the top, surrounded by the people you came in with, the people, you know, like surrounded by a familiar right. core. The devil's advocate there is uh, Justin Fields, though. He, I, I, well, yeah, but he Pearl just never should have gone to Georgia. That was just. Yeah, some guys make bad. So one problem is hmm. at some point you got to play. Sometimes you transfer because you got to play. That's okay. And you, you quarterbacks particularly flock to the same six schools and then they try to fight it out and someone someone makes it. You can only play one quarterback. So a lot of times in recruiting, uh, there's two, there's a, a few reasons kids will go to a school, okay? Some of them are, are straight up, like under the table deals, stuff like that happens. The kid's not in control. He's 16, 17 and, and a decision's made. And there's some money or whatever, okay? I'm not, I don't, you know, who knows how many. And so sometimes so they got Dan ended up place. with craft beer tonight. There was clearly like a middleman involved. Some money uh, yes. was funneled. <laughs> <laughs> they, basically, the, the Western happen. was out of Bud Light. They only had two Bud Light. And so I had one Great Lakes just in case. There we go. Um, trying to catch up. But it's, but then other times you go because they're like, dude, I love the the uniforms or I met this one girl on the trip or, you know, the, the training table food was unbelievable. Dudes, man, the teenage boys. Right. So sometimes mm -hmm. you just pick like a stupid reason and you get there and you're like, this is not really well organized. OK, so the, the thing is, if you're going to Alabama, I think it's a mature decision. You're like this is going to be hard, but it's actually great. And there's no you can't sit there and be like, these coaches don't know what they're doing. Well, yeah, they do. So <laughs> right. I, I, right. I think there's like a maturity factor, too, in saying I'm going to choose the hard route here 
Not that Alabama doesn't, I'm sure, have a great training table and all that or cool colors or, or you know, there's, there's some attractive uh, other students on campus for you. But it, you're so I think they kind of they attract that kind of guy that's like, all right, I know I'm not starting on day one where sometimes in the recruiting process, people make dumb decisions. They really they get there and they're like, this system sucks. I got to transfer. So it's a very it's it's very tricky. But I just think the best thing Alabama's got going is not only they're going to select and they continue to select. But it's like when when that adversity comes, because that's NFL football, too. Look at Jimmy oh, freaking yeah. Garoppolo. He was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah. Right. Two years no. ago. And he's got, you know, his coach is saying, I don't know if he's going to be alive on Sunday. And now they, they trade away the whole future for this dude from North Dakota. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Right. You know, and you're like, what the hell do I do, man? No, but you're right. The, the, like, that is football. And Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith sat there and watched Jerry Judy catch passes and caught, watched Henry Ruggs catch passes. And then they're going to move on and now – you know, John Mechie's going to catch passes. And it's like, I mean, just that's kind of the, what you're signing up for is this procession that football at least offers that basketball really doesn't is that you almost have to wait your turn to a degree. I mean, you can be a freshman star, but guess what? As a freshman, you're not getting drafted. You can be a sophomore star and you're not getting drafted. You got to be three years in and then you're going to get drafted. And so... There is a an element of dues paying that I think with football that is more readily acceptable than there is with basketball that I'm going to get picked eventually if I'm at Alabama, but it's going to be eventually because there's so many other good players there. Jalen Waddell had 33 receptions as a sophomore, 45 as a freshman, as SEC freshman of the year. A fascinating thing today to me, Jalen Waddle was at the at the press conference. That there was a reporter from Mexico there, and so she kept asking the players to speak Spanish. And will you say some something in Spanish? I think it was Trey Lance. He goes, she goes, can you speak Spanish? And I think he's. I wasn't quite paying attention until he did this, but he said yes, and then she said say some Spanish, and he he said gracias and hola. <laughs> good man good man i was like okay (laughs) he's like reciting the taco bell man he's calling (laughs) i'm sure visitor viewers in mexico city were enthralled by trey's grasp of the language i think it was trey lance i mean if it's not you i can't remember there's a lot of players but hey from fargo uh, from fargo that's pretty bilingual no it was like uh, I'll have the uh, the ver- carne asada or the taco <laughs> bell. I speak taco bell. I mean, I don't know. So it, the whole thing was kind of funny. But Waddle, so Waddle goes, no, I, I, I don't know. I never learned how to speak Spanish. He goes, I took Latin. Really? I took Latin, right? Now, I took Latin. Did okay, you? I went to Catholic Did you? school. Oh, yeah. And Can Latin, you give us something other than Dumbless Fabiscum? What do you got? What do you got? It sucked and was an old dead language when I took it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I go, wait, you took Latin? So I'm like, how many years of Latin did you take? I figure maybe. And, I, and I, I'm completely like stereotyped. But maybe you wandered. You know, four years. I'm like, four years of Latin, really? So I talked to him a little about taking Latin. Like, I'm sorry, but a kid that takes Latin? I mean, if this is easily the coolest Latin scholar of all time, he had the greatest suit. He had awesome shoes, right? Jalen Waddle, like, you don't, kids that take Latin in high school for four years, 
No, usually it'll take three years, right? Like that's a certain type of kid. And that's Jalen Waddle, right? He went to Episcopal like, in Houston. That's a good school. Yeah. It's a great school. And you're yeah. like, but like this is that's not a fun language to take. It's so Do you retain any of it, Dan? Any of it. Well, he does he can't speak it. So No, but you written, you took Latin. I could probably write some Latin. I don't know, not much. <laughs> But one <laughs> something. If you want seven, exactly. Give me one keep it, well, it, it feeds into all the other languages. So when you're in another country, you can read half the words because yeah. they're the base of the words, right? All the, the romance languages. The yes, romance yes, languages, yes, right? Yes, yes, but it's like, like Dan's columns, half of the half of them, half the words saying, make sense. How many <laughs> how many athletes are taking four years of Latin? Not many. Uh, not many. I, yeah. Where was the last top ten draft pick to four years of Latin? There's Jalen Waddle. And he's like, yeah, took Latin. And, and you know, I'm like, man, you can rock those shoes and 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 congregate some verbs. It's pretty good. He needs <laughs> he needs Latin to, to talk to people in Tuscaloosa, honestly. <laughs> so he just gets his random Alabama shot in at 12.59 a.m. So it's just like, <laughs> so what, when's the first ball going to go off is, the board? What does that joke mean? Are you saying the people in Alabama speak Latin? No, I don't know. The Houston <laughs> to Tuscaloosa conversion table. Half the words are, or you can you can pick out half the words. And you got to pick out the root word for the, the root, from the root word. <laughs> so who's the first ball off the board? <laughs> well, all we saw today was Jared Garantano's pick six from the balls. Uh, okay. was the only right. only That's volunteer good. highlight. It's a bad so, year. While you know Three who Smith. really. You know what teams really sucked in college football when they get a lot of video time on the <laughs> as the yeah. other team in the ESPN highlights. Yeah, Syracuse <laughs> like, is always like Clemson lighting yeah. up Syracuse is a constant oh, of the NFL oh, draft. The go. Vanderbilt, yeah. the Vanderbilt defensive backfield has gotten more draft night time through the years. <laughs> as various SEC stars have run through them. Wow, look at that. That kid took Latin. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good Latin scholar right there, cornerback. Oh, wow, I can't believe that. I saw uh, a lot of Illinois on uh, opposing yeah. <laughs> uh, opposing film tonight. Yeah, incredible sack. Maybe that kid should have tried to block him. <laughs> no, maybe Levy Smith should have woken up from his nap. During the third one of those, uh, he was busy God. growing his beard during the third quarter. He did not have time to come up with an actual game plan. Uh, let's talk a little Urban Meyer, his first NFL draft. Uh, obviously, he gets uh, Trevor Lawrence at the, at the top and the toaster. Uh, <laughs> he gets uh, he goes back to Clemson and tra- takes Travis Etienne at uh, 25 and then comes out and declares that he sees him as a third down back. It's kind of weird. You're going to jump and take a running back in the first round. It's kind of a luxury pick, especially when you're one in 15 and then you declare the guys a third down back. So that was a little weird. And then the other detail today in Jacksonville was that they worked out you know, a fellow named Tim Tebow, 33 year old Tim Tebow, a former minor league baseball player you may have uh, heard of if you're a big triple A, double A baseball fan, is now potentially willing to be a tight end after refusing to switch positions earlier in his career when no less than Bill freaking Belichick wanted him to do it, uh, said, nope, I'm a quarterback. I remember talking to him about it. He, he loved being the leader. He loved organizing. He loved all the pressure of being quarterback. He didn't like playing football. He liked playing quarterback. So then he decided to become a minor league baseball player. And, he, you know, 
Probably wouldn't be how most of us would make that decision, but good, good for whatever you want to do. Now, apparently, Urban's back. The gang is getting back together. And Tebow wants to be a tight end. So uh, Urban, stirring things up. Pete, is, 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 can, can you become a tight end at 33? Dan, you probably remember when the, when the Patriots took Tebow on late in his career. And, Two, uh, 2013, training camp, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was clear his best his best days were behind him. My thought in my mind was like Belichick's going to convince this guy to be a tight end, and he's going to run special teams, and he's going to become this like completely H-back. functional multi position team guy that like Belichick figured out a way to get the best out of. But that was the Tim, plan. Yeah, and I don't know if like there was always the marketing side of Tim, right? And I, I, Pat and I have talked about this. We've talked about podcast. Tim Tebow was a joy to cover as a college player. He was. Smart, interesting, successful, engaging. He might have not have had the, the the most depth of answers, maybe, but like he he never shoved religion down your throat. Like Tim Tebow was was a favorite o- o- over the years. He was a, he was a total pro. Handled himself with class. Um, was was really likable, and in you know, in probably as we've talked about this in the pod, probably as big of a spotlight as we've seen ever a college player have in our lives. So, all that said, I really thought that like. Tim Tebow as an athlete and a football player had a chance. Now I know I, I have no idea if he has great hands, and I have no idea if he can block. Here's the thing: he is his teammates always liked him. That was always very consistent all the way through. Now it certainly wasn't every every single one of them, but like for for the most part, Tebow was a good locker room guy. So is it Urban's idea that he brings in Tebow as like an advocate, an extension of him? Is Tebow so long in the tooth that backfires on Urban? I'm not sure, but I. Certainly raised my eyes when uh, when when that did happen today. That was that was certainly intriguing. Um, I don't think that's just going to work. That that would just be my gut. Maybe it was a favor. I have no idea. I don't hate the ATN pick. Like God, he's an unbelievable back. You give Trevor Lawrence your billion dollar franchise guy a little bit of comfort food. He, he, here's the thing: you, you can argue, oh my God, why do you take him there? You have so many needs, and and certainly. I, I, I can't sit here and break down the, the the Jaguars roster. I do know they have needs, but what what I will say is there was no player picked after him in the first round that I was like, oh my god, they should have got that guy. Uh, Greg Newsom, a fine corner. I don't think a you know franchise changer. Rashad Bateman, nice player. The immortal Peyton Turner, who Pat and I had not heard of. Eric Stokes, a, a good defensive back from Georgia. But I, I just Greg Rousseau. There's some some risk there with the opt out. I don't think Jason Owe had a sack last year. And, uh, you know, there, there was just like not a obvious person to take instead of him. So I don't think he'll be a third down back. I, I think I think Travis Etienne's going to be a really good running back for a long time. I, I always thought he was underappreciated. I mean, he's like the leading rusher in ACC, ACC history. We can go on and on. Total about, beast. Yeah. He, you know, modern tailback, great hands, great burst, you know, r- dynamic player. So I, I certainly think. They're going to be smart enough to not niche him as a uh, as a third down type back. So, yeah, I don't I don't I don't hate that pick. And look, that place needs optimism and it needs uh, name three other Jaguars right now. Can you do that, Pat? No, and that's why. Look, that's that's why they're talking about Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow is not going to play. He's not going to play. He's, his career is over. It's fine. It's okay. It's gone. He's done. <laughs> so you know, that's, they, they can, the Jaguars a pep talk. <laughs> well, I mean. Why? I mean, that's silly. Tim Tebow is 33 years old with no experience at tight end or anything else. He's he's done. He's gone. The NFL, no, done. So other than that, 
Yeah, Travis Etienne's awesome for them. I think it's great. I think it's a great pickup. It's a comfort thing for Trevor Lawrence because they played together and they know each other and they can, you know, hang out together at OTAs. And they need a lot more than that to go with it. But, like, Travis Etienne, I think, will be a really good back because he can do a lot of stuff. And the biggest thing with him, I watch him play, and this is not, you know, the be-all and end-all because it reminds me a little bit of David Montgomery from the Bears where you say he can defeat a tackler. Well, that's fine. You can defeat a tackler from a two-yard gain to a three-yard gain or from a three-yard gain to an eight-yard gain. Is Travis Etienne the guy that can beat a tackler and make a big play or not? We'll see. I don't know. But I, I I would like to take the chance with him. It's good pass catcher too. Good yes, good yeah. out of the back, which is really what the position's kind of morphed into. It's like a it's like a pseudo tight end. I just you know as so, I I love covering Tebow. Tebow's a great guy. I always say yeah. If you if you dislike Tebow, it's on you. Right. Then, yes. I mean I don't know how you dislike the guy. It's just like a bummer because I remember when he went to the pa- Patriots, it was like all right. Dude, here's your chance. And we're going to get to watch Tim Tebow play. They're going to Belichick turned Julian Edelman, a former Kent State quarterback, into a a you know, tremendous football player. Like a 12-year NFL guy, star. Yeah, right. Star. Like, the big thing when Edelman, the amount of people who hate Edelman was bizarre. Like he retired, everyone's like, "Not a not not a Hall of Famer." Like who said he was a Hall of Famer? Everyone's just screamed at him like, Jesus, the guy had a good hell of a career, won three Super Bowls. But think about what he did with a guy like that. And then you're like, OK, you know, Tebow, I was I was at the third preseason game in 2013 when Tebow didn't play. Belichick, Belichick played like 68 guys, but not Tebow. And I think he was my my assumption was he was just you're getting cut. I'm not wasting a second on you as a quarterback. Ryan Mallett will play the entire second half of this game. You will play nothing, and I'll let you stand there waiting to get in uh, because you either, yeah, what are you doing, dude? And, you know, it's like when you, it was like when, you know, when, when Michael Jordan goes to play baseball, he's like, I don't want to watch you play baseball, <laughs> be a crappy minor league baseball. I want to watch you play football. Mm-hmm. Right, now you have all the right in the world to walk away from the game, do whatever you want. No problem. But like Tebow was a fun player. And, you know, and you just kind of feel cheated like Johnny Manziel. You're like, dude, you were a lot of fun to watch. I really wish you kept your act together because I enjoyed mm-hmm. watching you, you know. So um, just fascinating, though, that all of a sudden he's he's willing to give it a shot. ETN will be uh, he'll, he'll probably be a good player. They just have so many problems. They're not trying. They're not going to win a ton of games next year, though. When you get one in 15, you're a couple years out. So there's a lot of a lot of drafting to do. All right. So. We'll talk more NFL draft on Monday. We'll have the Friday. We'll have the Saturday. We'll have all the rounds. Somebody please smoke a joint on like NFL Network or something for us. Please. Because somebody do something. If you're listening, fifth Lighten round up, pick. Francis. I always like the third round. That's when you get to the character <laughs> round. But the first round guys generally got all the, you know, like they're the Latin students, right? You get the third round and all of a sudden it's like, you know, yeah. well, uh, yeah, first round grade, but I boosted a, a car. <laughs> long arms. Long arms. A couple nights in the Baton Rouge jail. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Third uh, round is where the, the Aaron Hernandez rounds. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Aaron Hernandez. 
Hopefully without murder or suicide. Either one. Yeah. But, you know. It's like Tom Brady drops. It'd be really hard to get drafted with the suicide bit, but yeah. <laughs> good point, Sully. Good point. Really good point. <laughs> oh, man. Those podcasts. Uh, okay. Like Tom Brady drops in the sixth round or whatever because he doesn't lift a weight in college. You know, Hernandez drops because it's every, everyone's like, oh, wait a minute now. All right. So uh, we're hoping for some better stuff. Don't don't kill anybody. But, you know, maybe can do it on TV. It's legal now. It's legal now. Most places. Anyway, uh, so we'll be back on that. But we we had, do have the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Uh, we all enjoy horse racing. Pat is a big fan of the actual sport of horse racing. Uh, I think Pete's a little bit more like me. I pretty much just like gambling and drinking and smoking cigars outside. Just a pretty girl. Just... Don't forget the pretty girls. Yeah, a lot of sundresses. Sundresses are popular. Yep. Um, it's pretty much minus the sundressing. The sundresses is why I play golf, <laughs> is to gamble, drink, and smoke cigars outside. So uh, it's really all the same stuff. Like Pete's in the middle. But uh, the Kentucky, we do love the Kentucky Derby. It is this weekend. It's back in its rightful spot. I'm glad they got it in last year, but it needs to be in early May. Uh, Pat should never be on draft weekend, though. The people at church are left to get off the first Saturday in May. Just get off the draft. You're, you know who you are. You ain't beating the draft. Even a hundred. This isn't 1952. Years. Yeah, it's like 60, 160 years, whatever they've been doing. Anyway, Pat wrote one, a great column this week. Inspired idea, Pat. He went through because there's a there's a there's a horse in the race this uh, weekend called Soup and Sandwich. That's the name of the horse, Soup and Sandwich. <laughs> and it, the, the horse has the owner has another horse called Chips and Salsa. <laughs> so it's unbelievable. Same trainer gonna, has that. We're, we're going to let you get on your rant. Let me set up the rant because okay. okay. it's coming. Warning, Pat. Not a warning. Like alert. <laughs> Get excited. A Pat 40 rant is coming. Pat was so offended by the name soup and sandwich for a horse that he decided to write a column on the 20 best and worst names of horses that ever competed in the Kentucky Derby. Now, what year is this Kentucky Derby? 147. 147 that's all, years. That's all. 20 horses a year. That's it. Okay, I don't know what they were doing in like 1908 where they get all 20 in there, but... There was so one Pat, year there were three. Three, period. So, you know. Wow, they can win, win place show. Yeah. yeah. Zach the yeah. box that baby up. Yeah, um, crushed the try that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three horse. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> Pat, what is the worst name of a horse ever and what did you find out about this soup and sandwich character okay i looked into all of this very deeply for much too long really like for my own <laughs> mental health however the worst name in the history of the kentucky derby is wool sandals in 1907 <laughs> why in the name win of win or just participate how deep uh, can you go i will tell you that wool sandals was fifth I don't know how many horses ran that year. What is a wool fifth. sandal? They, they, were they so poor in 19-whatever that they yeah, had wool like, sandals? It's so bad. It is so bad. That name is so bad. that I mean, like, what on earth would possibly 
inspire you to name a horse a thoroughbred in the Kentucky Derby wool sandals. Like nobody wants to wear a wool sandal. There should be no wool sandals. To, to my knowledge, there are no wool, wool sandals. <laughs> Why? All right. What are the other ones on your list? This is, this is the greatest research ever. I can just see Pat sitting his computer going, What? His name is 1913. That was 1907. I have a list. I like the list is like 50 long, but I cut it down. All right. The worst ones. I mean, like, no, I did. I did. Long list. I don't even know where to start. Well, go through the list. <laughs> the it's worst one. In the morning, we got nothing. Okay. To do. <laughs> if, if they're still listening at this point, they want to know the list. Like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. Which is the, that mashup of of words, which is just terrible, which has become very trendy. Terrible. No that's a that's a greyhound that. word. All right, that's a greyhound word. Um, big truck. Don't name your horse after like a the, truck. Do not. I like the thoroughbred looking down your nose at the at the dog track people. It, well, yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, all right? they are. They are. <laughs> They're worth a lot more. You want to compare the breeding price of a greyhound versus a thoroughbred? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. It's the same thing, though. Gambling, drinking, and smoking cigars outside. Correct. Sundresses at the greyhound track. No, there are no. <laughs> no, no. It's a bunch none. of dudes there that look no like sundresses at the greyhound track. <laughs> yeah. Big truck. Terrible name. Big, Black big servant. Truck. 1921. Probably not a very good name, even then, a century ago. Yeah. <laughs> not. That's uncomfortable. Yes. Daddy knows N-O-S-E best. No. Terrible. <laughs> Dit. 1940. Awful. Wait, what? Gat. What was that? What was that one? Dit. D-I-T. Dit. Dit? Dit. <laughs> not a very good name. Gatch. <laughs> Green alligator. Do not your name your name your horse after an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> or your football team. Alligators yes. just sit around. They do. They don't move very fast. Yeah, until they don't. Yeah. They don't well, move yeah, very fast. fast. Yeah. Short burst. Short burst. They're twitchy. <laughs> short burst. Very twitchy. <laughs> yes. Three cone drill. Fine. Not very good. Mile and a quarter. Mile and a quarter at the Derby. Not going to work. <laughs> the most hateful column ever. Sources have been dead for like 100 years. Fat. <laughs> I, I, I hate them all. Hate them all. My source is like, what did I do, man? I died in 1898. <laughs> <laughs> I got to juice my name. What the hell? So one of the great parts of our podcast is we hope you 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 know what it feels like to sit next, on a bar stool next to Pat Forty as he goes on a rant because you get to hear him as you walk your dog on a rant. But this column, if you ever want to really know what it's like to sit next to Pat Forty on a bar stool. Him complaining like with like just a just a violent edge about horse names, just should totally be the... obscure things that he has passionate opinions about. No one has more passionate opinions about obscure things than Pat Forty. This column was twenty things I randomly got myself pissed off about. It's like a forty thousand word column. It's great. I read it all. It should be in the best American sports writing. <laughs> the clown yeah, ran like a boat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> mad at the horse. It's 1923. Came in He's pissed off. Quasimodo. Quasimodo was last 1934. Why the flip do you have a horse named Quasimodo? Come on. Pat, what would you name your derby horse? My derby? Oh, my God. Um, it's like I just asked Pat who his favorite kid was, and he had to answer it. <laughs> Leather sandal. <laughs> yeah, yes, I would go that. Right. Yes. Okay, I think that got, this part got lost. The the horse was the horse says. Pat's got this list of the horses. Says the the clown. Year yeah. nineteen twenty three. Place eighteen. Pat's comment ran like a bozo. <laughs> well, damn it! Why are you naming your horse the clown? Come on. I would have gone with Krusty over Bozo, but that's a generational uh, thing, I think. All right. He's got TV commercial. That's the name of the horse. Year 1968. Place third. <laughs> if this horse had run in the 1950s when television was new, maybe. <laughs> 1968. It was just odd. <laughs> Next one. Look. Watermelon. Watermelon was the name of a horse. In 1914, it came in last. <laughs> you name your horse after a bulbous fruit with no legs. You take your chances. What fruit has legs? <sighs> I, I honestly, I can't. Even I don't eat any fruit with legs. <laughs> <laughs> In 1944, someone named their horse. Shut up. <laughs> Pat deemed it rude. He deemed it rude. It was rude. Rude. I think uh, Pat would have to name his horse the disingenuous drifter. <laughs> After Bobby Petrino. <laughs> Go read the column. Enjoy the Derby. <laughs> can you can you give us your Derby pick before we go? Like some no. people, some degenerates who only listen to the, like watch horse racing for four minutes a year and just oh want a little God. action on it are gonna want to know who you think should win is gonna win the Kentucky Derby. I'm way too busy laughing, but I do this? think I think the favorite essential quality versus um, Hot Rod Charlie. There's your your boxing boxing man. 1882, there was a horse called the Lost Cause. Here's yes. Pat's Pat's little writing, which you can just you can hear his voice. Done in by a defeatist attitude from the moment he was named. <laughs> it's kind of a weird name for a horse. Lost Cause. Like, if you have a horse, is that what you're gonna name that thing? Lost Cause. And here's my other point. Now, with people who are like, I like soup and sandwich. What if you have a cat or a dog? Would you name that? Soup and sandwich? <laughs> you would not. I would you would not. And sandwich. Not even the end. No, that's even worse, actually. I like, I prefer the and. The un. <laughs> Why would you name? So, Pat, like, what would you name you... your derby horse? <clears throat> I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> So, You're the so, grand think, arbiter of derby horse names, yet you don't have one. You just, you just made fun of people for 150 years for what they named their horse, and you don't even have an idea. It's 1.26 a.m. I do not have an All idea. Right. 
This podcast is officially over. What a way to, to end on a high note. I don't know. Maybe that's the name of the horse. I don't know. All right. We'll be back on Monday. Talk to you all then. <laughs>